song a little bit. Let's reflect on uh, the reality of that great love and uh, the price that was paid for you and me. Got a lot of moving in parts here this morning, don't we? It's all right. Y'all know Miss Jeanette Cooper's back with us today? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? I think in the last two years, you've, you came once or twice, and then, and then a, a, a surge happened again. Golly. It's so good to see you. So good to see you all this morning. So let's think about that blood that was shed for us just for a moment. I, always, I don't always think about that I'm a, a real bad sinner. Do you? Usually I think I'm a pretty good guy. This morning, even as we think about it, uh, there's this vision that the Lord gave to <clears throat> the prophet Amos. And he, he dropped a plumb line down and anybody who's done construction knows what a plumb line is. You know, JB? There had been a wall that was built and he dropped the plumb line next to it. He was measuring to see if it had, was still straight. And he said, Amos, do you see what this is? And he says, yeah, that's a plumb line. And the Lord said, I'm going to test Israel. I'm going to see if they're still straight. And think about that and think about all the ways that we can be crooked. So this morning we come in and we know that when we measure up to our Lord, we are not straight. And yet, in his love, He sent his son Jesus. And in Jesus' love, in Jesus' love, he endured suffering and shame. He did that to cleanse us, to purify us. And as we read in Hebrews, he didn't use the blood of goats and bulls, but his own blood. This morning, let us uh, come before the Lord with a heart of deep gratitude. Will you all bow with me? Maybe before I pray, you just offer your own prayer of thanks. God, the song says, oh, what love. What grace, how can it be? Lord, might you arrest us today. 
captivate us afresh to this awe, this wonder, this amazement, Lord, that in your love for your creation, your love not willing to let us uh, destroy ourselves, In your love, Lord, your Son endured the cross. He shed his own blood. Lord, I pray and I thank you. I thank you for your Son. I thank you for your goodness, Lord, your good character, God. I thank you that we have your spirit because, Lord, while we know we are not straight, your spirit straightens us up. You're shaping and forming us into the image of your son, Jesus. I thank you for your church, Lord. I thank you for this church, Friends of the Baptist. I thank you for the churches that are all around our community today that are meeting in your name that are worshiping for all those who, disciples of Christ who will go out this week and they will live in your love, Lord. Uh, Lord, today, uh, we, we, stand, uh, we stand before you deeply thankful. We love you, God. We pray that as we get to your word this morning, we pray that you would speak to us through your spirit. I pray that uh, my voice uh, and my words will not be uh, just the words of uh, uh, my own whim and whimsy, but Lord, they would be words that are filled with your power and your might. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, uh, your message would be heard today. And I pray that everything that you want us to receive from you, we will open up our, our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds to receive what you have for us. Lord, some of us need a good word of encouragement today because this last week was a beatdown. I pray that my brothers and my sisters would receive the encouragement that they need from you. Uh, some of us need some correcting today uh, because, uh, Lord, uh, we, we took some, uh, either through naivety or through rebellion, we took some wrong steps, did some bad, uh, made some bad decisions, Lord, and we need your, your correction. Might we receive that, Lord? Uh, some today might need new life. They might need the, the life that is in Christ, that life that has overcome the world. I pray that if anybody's here today who needs new life, they would receive, Lord. 
Uh, Lord, might we receive what you have for us. I pray these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. So last week, I um, was back in the book of Amos, and uh, in the message, we were talking about intercessory prayer, but in the message, there's this moment in the text where, where the Lord says, hey, this is, this is what I'm intending to do to Israel. And uh, the prophet Amos, he intercedes, he pleads on behalf of uh, Israel, the northern kingdom. And then the Lord hears his prayer. And the Lord s- stops. He, he, he says, okay, what I, what I was intending to do, I'm not going to do that anymore. But the book doesn't end there. Uh, there's another vision that the Lord gives Amos, and it's that vision that I've just just gave y'all. It was this vision of a plumb line. And the Lord says, I'm going to test, I'm going to measure Israel. And we've already seen throughout the text of Amos, Israel's not going to measure up. They just won't measure up. How can people who, as the text describes them, rob the poor and trample down the needy? How can they measure up? How can people who... uh, As uh, this is chapter 8, verse number 5 says, they can't wait for the Sabbath to be over and the religious festivals to end. Why can't they wait for that to happen? Uh, So that they can get back to cheating the helpless and measuring out grain with dishonest measures. And cheating buyers with dishonest scales. You know what Proverbs says is an abomination to the Lord? Fixing the scales. A false weight. An unjust balance. This is an abomination to the Lord. They're not going to measure up. And so the Lord says, I will test my people with this plumb line. I will no longer ignore their sins. This is chapter 7, verse 8. Verse number 9, he says, The pagan shrines of your ancestors will be ruined, and the temples of Israel will be destroyed, and I will bring the dynasty of King Jeroboam to a sudden end. When he's talking about the temples there being destroyed, he's talking about their pagan shrines, and he's also talking about these, these temples that they had erected in the northern kingdom of Israel, so that uh, in Jeroboam, uh, the first Jeroboam did this. He had this, he, he, the, the united nation of Israel was divided under his rule. You had Judah in the south, and you had uh, uh, ten tribes uh, that, that, that created Israel in the north. And he said, if they keep going down to Jerusalem to worship, I'll lose them. So he set up his own temple in the northern kingdom in Samaria. 
And he said, uh, uh, they can come and they can worship at this temple. And fittingly, uh, he put a golden calf there. He also put one in the very far north end of the kingdom in Dan. And so when the Lord says, he says, the pagan shrines, and he says, and these temples, these temples that have been erected to worship me. I'm going to cast it all down to the ground. What's interesting here is you don't have Amos interjecting or interceding. At this point, Amos says, okay. And that's something that I kind of want us to explore a little bit today. Because see, like last week we said, hey, listen, there, there's times whenever God says, hey, this is going to happen. And, and, and we can stand up and we can say, no, God, please. Abraham did it. Hey, I'm going to go and I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. But, but, but wait, Lord, what if you find 50 righteous people? 40, 30, 20, 10. If I find 10, uh, Moses, Moses uh, uh, did it whenever he was up in, in, in the Mount Sinai and God was giving him the law and, and, and the people were, uh, they, they, had, they had gone to this pagan way of worshiping down on the ground and he said, get down and, and, and I'm going to destroy them and I'm going to start over with you. And Moses says, no, God, please don't. But that raises a question to us, like, like, because we know this in Scripture. We know that God says things that are going to stand. Right? We hold it that, like, hey, when, when God determines it, that, that, that there's a point where he's not going to change his mind. And that gives us hope. See, 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 think about it this way. What if God said, I'm going to rescue and restore and make all things new? And then he changed his mind on that. We would have nothing to hope in. Right? What if we thought, God, God, God might arbitrarily one day get up and go, uh, you know what? I, I'm done. I've tried. I've, 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 I've strove with these people for far too long. And so a big part of our hope, of our faith, is that there are these moments when God says, this is going to happen. And it's going to happen. Their faith rests on this sureness of God's word. Sureness of God's promise. And so I want us to see this in, in this story of Amos and, and, and how this drama unfolds there is, is that's what happens in this story is there is a moment where God is telling Amos, hey, listen, this is I'm warning the people and I'm telling them to repent and I'm telling them to turn back because if they don't, sudden destruction is going to come upon them. And there's a moment where, where, where he wants not only the prophet to stand up and intercede, but he wants the people to repent. 
And he's calling them, hey, I, I, like, listen, listen, this is a warning. This is a whoa. This, don't, you, you, you need to come back. And then there's a moment where it just says, I, the Lord, have decreed it. And it's in the next vision that Amos sees. See, right after what happens with the plumb line, there's this uh, priest, Amaziah. And he hears that Amos is, is, is prophesying doom for Israel and prophesying against the king Jeroboam II. And, and, and so Amaziah goes to the king and he says to the king, he says, you need to get this Amos character out of here. See, here's the deal. Amos is prophesying in the northern kingdom, but Amos is from the southern kingdom. And Jeroboam says to Amos, he says, get back home. And go, go, go make your money prophesying there. The thing is, though, Amos wasn't an actual, like, he wasn't like a vocational prophet. Amos was a shepherd and a fig tree farmer. And Amos says, this is not my vocation. This is not what I do for my livelihood. I got a word from the Lord. And he sent me to tell you. But what you get there is Jeroboam in this meeting, this is the test, if you will. Will Jeroboam receive the prophecy of Amos as a word from the Lord? Or does Jeroboam think that Amos is out just to be a huckster and get a a fast dollar? And Jeroboam, it reveals, his heart is revealed. Hey, you're just trying to make money and you're just saying things. And you're acting like you're speaking on behalf of God, but you're not speaking on behalf of God. So I reject your word. I reject you and your prophecy. The next vision is chapter 8. Amos says, then the sovereign Lord showed me another vision. In it, I saw a basket filled with ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos? He asked. I, the, the, the simplicity of this, this, these little stories of these visions, it's like, it's beautiful and it's kind of comedic to me a little bit too because like he shows him, you know, the first vision, he, he showed him uh, I can't remember the first vision. Um, um, the second vision, he showed him a fire. And, uh, and the first vision was locusts. And he was like, well, what do you see? And he's like, locusts. He's like, second vision is fire. What do you see? The third, plumb line. What do you see? A plumb line, right? And here, well, what do you see, Amos? He asked. And I replied, a basket full of ripe fruit. What I love is Amos sees the fruit but he waits for God to give him the message you know sometimes I get ahead of myself and somebody asks me a question and I think oh let me see if I can get at what they're trying to get at and so I go like a little bit deeper sometimes I just miss the point altogether you ever do that Amos I love the simplicity here he's God, I see a basket of ripe fruit. You're going to have to tell me what this means. 
And the Lord said, like this fruit, Israel is ripe for punishment. I will not delay their punishment again. And that day, the singing in the temple will turn to wailing. Dead bodies will be scattered everywhere. They will be carried out of the city in silence. And then he says, I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. And we don't find Amos pleading because he knows this has been decreed of God. First of all, I want us to see I want us to see that we can trust and we can hope in the things that the Lord has said, this is happening, I've spoken. Uh, the destruction there did happen. The Assyrian army rose up 40 years later, 40 years after Amos. The Assyrian army rose up, came into the northern kingdom of Israel, uh, destroyed uh, their cities, killed kings and nobles, carried away captives. They actually tried to repopulate the area with their own citizens. Uh, uh, this this uh, time period, uh, you, you should understand when we get to the New Testament and there's those, those Sumerians that they talk about or uh, Samaritans that they talk about. And you can sense that there's some animosity. Some of the animosity goes all the way back to whenever the kingdom was divided and they had some fighting. But really, from this point forward, the animosity grows and grows and grows because um, part of the animosity is, are they even really God's people because they've been repopulated with these Assyrians, with other people? The, historically, this happened. It happened and we know that uh, cities were destroyed, kings and nobles were killed, uh, people were taken captive, uh, the, the northern kingdom was repopulated. But like I said, that's not the final Word. But before we get to the final word, let's think about this for a second with our own lives. Have you ever seen it all come to an end? A relationship all come crashing down. Hopes and dreams shattered various causes for all these things right I see dear brothers and sisters whose lives 
fell apart because their spouse went on ahead of them. Sometimes there's things that are just out of our control. And it all comes crashing down. Uh, Sometimes the destruction is at our own hands. You've destroyed some things. You've made some terrible decisions. Uh, Maybe it was out of foolishness. How many people have gotten robbed financially? Not because they weren't trying to be wise stewards of their funds, but because they got taken advantage of by somebody. In our own city, that has happened to people. But maybe you weren't being a wise steward of your funds. Maybe you were spendthrift. And it lasted until it didn't last. We've all experienced the desolation and the destruction. This, 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 the story that happens in Israel's life and in, in, in the history of Israel and the, uh, the salvation history of the world, this story that happens, it's, it's kind of like one of those stories that it's an existential story because we all walk through it. Now, sometimes you can look back and you can go, oh man, I'm so glad that that relationship did fall apart, you know. We've all been there where there's some of those moments where you're like, oh, I was I was rescued from something that could have been devastating. But we all go through these seasons of life. He describes, the Lord describes like tearing down, in chapter 9, he describes tearing down the pillars of their temples and their shrines to their false gods. We've all experienced like when it felt like the, the pillars, the foundation of our lives have been torn down. Maybe, I think about this as parents, maybe it's not because you've seen it in your own life, but you see your children's lives, your adult children who you loved and you cared for and you raised and you wanted, you you had every great aspiration for them, every hope and dream. You gave them everything that they you could possibly give them. Think about the children that Dr. Boone works with. Now, they might be adults now, but they're everybody's child, aren't they? You know what's awesome? Johnny Sokol celebrated one year. But before that, a lot of agonizing nights. 
A lot of interceding on his behalf. See, I like the history of Scripture, but I love that Scripture actually shows us our lives. And we can look at this history and we can go, this is not just what happened to Israel. This is what happens in our lives. But it's not the last word. Are ye not as the children of the Ethiopians unto me, O children of Israel, saith the Lord? Have not I brought up Israel out of the land of Egypt, and the Philistines from Kaftar, and the Syrians from Kerr? Well, yes, my eyes are upon all the kingdoms, and I will destroy and I will sift the house of Israel among all the nations behold this is 9.13 the days come saith the Lord that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine. And all the hills shall melt. That uh, might be a little bit of a tough image for us. But what he's saying is the harvest is going to be so plenteous. That you're still going to be picking the harvest whenever it's time for you to start plowing again. You're not going to get done treading all the grapes from last year before it's time to start the New Year's crop. This is a great image and vision of renewal, of restoration, of rebirth. This is actually the last word in Amos's prophecy. I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. Think about Ukraine right now. And those cities that are destroyed. Mariupol. Just been shelled to obliteration. This is what we could think about uh, Israel looked like then. 
whenever they excavate and they find these ruins of these cities, that's because they would destroy them and they would just build right on top of them. But here he's saying that all that destruction, all that desolation, all that's been undone will be made new. It will be restored. New life will come. They will build waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. And I will plant them upon their land and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land which I have given them. Never again will they be plucked out of this land, saith the Lord thy God. That's the last word. That's the word that we hope in. And we hope in it like this. We hope in it for us as, 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 as individuals who, who, who can come to God with a broken life. Uh, broken because of our naivete. Broken because somebody else got over on us. Broken because of our own sinfulness and our own waywardness. We can come to God with our broken life and we can say, hey God, yeah. Here's my life. And God in his mercy and his grace, whether you are naive and just foolish, he doesn't go, oh, you're just so stupid. I can't believe it. I, I can't, I can't, ah, no, get out of my face. No, he doesn't do that. Whether you've been the victim of oppression of somebody else's somebody else's sinful nature. And I think about some of those traumatized kids in Ukraine. I think about traumatized kids here in America. I mean, this is something that's so strong in my heart. We know the gospel that we are all sinners and we've all... We have to get our minds wrapped around this, uh, this, the other end of the gospel that comes to the people who have been traumatized. Says, you know, there is sin in this world and God in his mercy wants to rescue you from your trauma. And in his grace, he can do that. Then also for those of us who've been wayward and rebellious and our life is broken, we can come to him and we can say, God, here's my life. This is what I can make of it. And we believe that like, we can enter into a relationship with God, a saving, sanctifying relationship with God through his son Jesus by the power of his spirit And God can take us and he could start helping us put the pieces back together. First of all, our relationship with him gets restored. Guess what? He starts doing this other thing. He starts helping us restore relationships with others. 
some of us, you know, you know he, he calls and he says, hey, listen, you need to go offer forgiveness to the ones that hurt you. You need to free, free them from the captivity of your vengeance and your vitriol and your hurt and your pain. For some of us, he says, hey, listen, you know what? You, you need to go seek forgiveness because you've done some really, really hard things to people. But he restores our relationship with him. And, and then we begin to restore relationships that, that, that were broken. We make new relationships. We're brought into the family of God, into the church of God. And, and we make new relationships. And, and, and then we're taught how we can go forward and we can relate good with him and with other people. And as we see throughout Amos, like that is the issue. The issue is how they are relating towards one another. They're cheating. They're robbing. They're stealing. They're exploiting. They are oppressing one another. God goes, I don't care how many cows you bring me to sacrifice. You treat each other like garbage. And so we know that like through the gospel, through the gospel that we can be restored, made new, right with God, relating well with God, worshiping, praising God whenever it's necessary to worship and praise Him, coming to Him with our, with our worries, with our cares, with our hurts, with our fears, whenever it's necessary to do that. And we can relate well with others. And we, not only that, we're, we're, we're given this, this gift of the Spirit so that we can do these things. And then we are also given the gift of the Spirit to say, hey, guess what? Even your life is not the last word. You don't just have that dash. Because I have something more for you. Jesus said to his disciples, if I go away, I will come again unto you. John 16, right? Do not be disheartened. It might not be John 16. Oh no, oh no, it's John 14. Uh, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. In Acts chapter number one, his disciples watch him Go in to the cloud. And they stood there and they looked steadfastly into heaven. And then two men in white apparel stood by and they said, Ye men of Galilee, 
why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go in to heaven. Uh, these, this is the last word that we have. This word of hope that says, uh, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He gives us the power to be overcomers ourselves. And one day, we will see it all overcome. And so this morning, while there are times that God says, this is what I'm planning on doing, and his expected uh, response from us might be, no, 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 <laughs> let's, let, let's, let's think about this, please, Lord. Could there be any other way? Can we come before you and can we repent and can we change? Can, can, can the course change? There are moments when the Lord says, I, the Lord, have spoken. And you and I need those moments because you and I, our faith rests on sure promises of God. A determined mind. There's this moment in Luke's gospel, whenever it says in Luke chapter 9, it says that like Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. He determined, I'm going to Jerusalem and I know what's happening to me there. My brothers and my sisters, there are desolations and destructions and tribulations that we face, but they are not the last word. Maybe you're here and you go, I've made a mess of things right now. It's not the last word. Maybe you're looking at your life and you're just like, my life is a mess and I'm not in right relationship with God. That's clearly that I'm not doing well with others. And, and, And God's speaking to you and saying, you need to trust me and receive, receive what I can do. The grace that I have for you. Maybe this morning all you are needing is to be reminded that there is a good last word. So that tomorrow you can face. It won't be a bright sunny day tomorrow. It'll be rainy. Won't be as pretty as it's been these last few days. You can face whatever tomorrow brings. Knowing that whatever this is, there's grace for me in it, but there is also a greater grace that's awaiting for me.
maybe you just need to come before the Lord today and say, God, God, I see the bowl of fruit. It's a bowl of fruit. What do you want me to receive from this? What's the message you have for me? I'm going to invite y'all right now at this time just to bow your heads, close your eyes, spend some time with the Lord. Maybe you know what he's spoken. If he said, hey, you know what? You need to, you don't have a right relationship with me. And that's something that you want to talk to somebody about, something that you want to discuss with somebody. I am here and I would love to have that conversation with you. Whether we do it this morning or we get together this week, I would love to have that conversation with you. But let's just spend the next few moments meeting with our Lord, talking to Him about what He's talking to us about. Lord God, please be with us as we meet with You. Lord God, I pray that You would speak to us. I pray that we would respond to You. Lord, I pray these things in Christ's name. you're still praying, don't let my prayer interrupt yours. I'm going to pray and then Brother Mitch is going to lead us in our closing song. But like I said, if you still need a few minutes to pray, you just sit there. If you need to meet with anybody, I would encourage you. If there's something on your heart and your mind you need to talk about, please know that I'm always available. Lord, I love you and I thank you for who you are. I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we have a good, a good last word from you, Lord. 
Uh, Lord, I do pray and I ask that you would be with us as we go. Lord, this week what we want to do is we want to relate well with you and we want to relate well with others. We want to love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all that is within us, Lord. And we want to love others well. We want to love them like, love them like we have to be loved ourselves, Lord. God, I pray. I pray and I ask that you would uh, please be with those who are not with us today because they are sick. I lift up Miss Karen, Miss Peggy to you. Uh, Lord, I also pray uh, for uh, those other prayer requests that we have made known. Lord, we pray for our friends in Ukraine. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to move, strengthen, hold them resilient. Lord, we pray for those who are providing humanitarian aid, rescue relief effort, Lord. Uh, For our friends at Mission 823, Lord, we pray that you would continue to strengthen them, uh, continue to uh, resource them, Lord. And Lord, uh, fill them with your spirit because I know that this is, um, Lord, they're tired. And they're broken. And they need your grace right now, Lord. Fill them, God, I pray. Uh, be with us that we might uh, be mindful this week, not only to live well uh, with others, but, Lord, to be on our knees praying. Lord, I pray all these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. Amen.